It's Friday, January 29th, 2021, and for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is the Pennsylvania Legacies Podcast. I'm Josh Rollerson. Montgomery County is Pennsylvania's third largest population center, after Philadelphia and Allegheny counties. And as you might expect from a combined urban-suburban setting that's been continuously inhabited for centuries, Montco is among the more developed areas in the state. But it's also home to fields and pastures, supporting a vibrant farm-to-table scene and a population with an appetite for locally grown food. The county government wants to keep it that way. Since 1990, Montgomery County's Farmland Preservation Program has been working to prevent precious acres of arable land from becoming condos and parking lots. 30 years in, the program has just passed a major milestone, 10,000 acres, about a third of the county's total farmland, preserved through easements that ensure the properties will remain in agricultural use permanently. Stephen Zabinski is Farmland Administrator with the County Planning Commission and our guest on this episode. Steve, welcome to Pennsylvania Legacies. Glad to have you here. Thank you, Josh. It's great to be here. Now, Montgomery County is, I think, one of the most populous counties in Pennsylvania. So perhaps counterintuitive to some that farming would be such a major concern there. Could you talk a bit about the role of agriculture in the community, both you know economically, culturally over the years, and how that informs this program? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the the program has been around for uh, 30 years, um, since 1990. Um, but, you know, some of these farms have been in families for 200 plus years. So it, it, it's just a lasting legacy in, in the county. There's a lot of families here that take pride in their farms, um, in their operations. Um, and th- they've done such a great job over the years to continue um, and adapt to the, the advancing technologies um, to the advancing farming practices, uh, you know, thinking of environmental concerns, things like that. Um, so the farmers have done a great job in that sense. Um, it's definitely great for the local economy. You know, the more the more land we can preserve, you know, that, that, that'll um, affect taxes in a positive way. Um, you know, farms contribute to sustainability efforts. Um, you know, thinking of the whole farm-to-table aspect you know, lo- local farms will decrease food miles. Um, it will decrease the carbon footprint. And it's just an overall, you know, great thing for not only just the local economy, but the economy on a broader aspect, whether you're thinking, you know, countywide or, or statewide even. Well, and I, I want to dig into all of those points you just raised, but I want to also kind of let you know where I'm coming from first. I'm not from Pennsylvania. I grew up in the Midwest in a farm family. I wasn't raised on a farm, but, you know, surrounded by agriculture. So this is, you know, interesting to me, especially in that where I'm coming from, it's a whole different history. It's a whole different backdrop. It's large scale commercial agriculture and the population density is pretty low. So farmers are incented to really plant every square inch of land they can get their hands on. And as a result of that, you know, in the tradition I was raised in, conservation, preservation often means preventing land from being farmed. Obviously, Pennsylvania is really different. Yeah, so the, the, the main objective of this program was to reduce sprawl, you know, whether it be commercial development, industrial developments and warehouses um, or residential developments. You know, th- th- this program has successfully really slowed that sprawl down. Um, you know, and now we are seeing a little bit more of infill type developments, uh, you know, where there's small pockets of land, you know, developers are coming in and developing those, but we don't see too many of, of the larger developments coming in. Obviously, they still come in here and there, but not as on such a large scale as what we did 
20 or 30 years ago, maybe. Well, let's look at the kind of the mechanics then. How does this program actually work? It's it's a way that the government, local government, can ensure that the land stays in, in use for agriculture, but the farmers still own the land. Is that right? Yeah. So the, the, the purpose of the program really centers around us just purchasing the agricultural easements um, on productive farms so that the land remains in farming in perpetuity. Uh, so the farmers will ultimately still own their land and what they would like to do on their land is up to them. Um, there are certain restrictions after preserving their farm. They can't go out and develop the land any further. We do have a stipulation in, in our program that they are allowed a one-time subdivision up to two acres um, in which that they could build an additional residence on. Uh, but the land is protected forever. Uh, so, you know, no major development would ever take place on any of our preserved farms in the county. And, you know, I, I think that's really important. The farmers, again, just take pride in the sense that they are saving their land, you know, and they're saving their farms for future generations to come. So tell me more about the participants in the program. Are these mainly small operations, family farms? What are they growing? Is it commodity crops or is it fresh produce for the local farmer's market or, or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it, it certainly ranges. You know, we, we do see farms, you know, in 20 acres in size, and we see farms 100 plus acres. I would say that the main crop we see maybe is just a corn or hay, kind of your basic feed crop. Um, but we do have some dairy farms. Um, you know, just actually this past year, we saw a little niche market come in, and, and it's a pepper farm. And they basically grow 20,000 different peppers um, in total every year, and they produce their own hot sauces, um, which is pretty cool. You know, they they rave about going from seed to sauce. They literally just plant seeds in the ground in the early season. And, uh, you know, w- when they flourish and the, the peppers bloom, um, they pick the peppers and, and make their own sauces. So we, we do have a wide range of farmers coming in in terms of land size and crops. But again, I would say, you know, that the main crops coming in um, are corn or hay. You know, we do see equine coming in in recent years a little bit. We do have several equine farms throughout the county. Um, But, you know, we also have, you know, livestock for sure. You know, we have farms that are raising sheep, goats, cattle, chickens, um, turkeys, alpacas. Um, And then we also have certain different nurseries throughout the county, which is another kind of niche market, in my opinion, whether it be Christmas tree nurseries, um, or some of these farms are even even doing like a pick your own flower, you know, whether it be just that or they have that in addition to their corn operation or hay operation. Um, you know, they have an acre or so of flowers and you come and pick them and you, you just kind of pay as you pick. Um, so I, I think that's really neat. And then, of course, just the, the regular stocks of fruit and vegetables. We, we certainly have farms that do that as well. So 30 years on, I'm interested in what the results have been because you just passed 10,000 acres preserved. Why is that such an important milestone? That was, it's important because that's a goal that was set back years and years ago when we kind of first, the, the program was first incepted. Not only was that a, just a kind of a standalone goal back then, I think the bigger picture was that basically represented a third of the county's farmland. Um, and I think that's really important because when you can say that you preserved 33% of the farms in your county. I just feel like personally to me that that's quite a milestone. 
Um, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, kind of relating this to baseball, you know, if, if somebody, if a baseball player is hitting, you know, 333 throughout his career, I mean, he's a Hall of Not Fame bad. batter, right? So uh, I think that 33% is a really nice milestone for us. And it's only going to keep going up. So I, I, I think uh, hitting 10,000 acres was just the beginning for us, honestly. So is it, what's the new goal? What are you shooting for now? Uh, you know, we're going to take it in small steps. Ob- obviously, we're not getting, you know, the amount of farms coming in as we did 10, 15 years ago, you know, where we were seeing 20 to 30 applicants per year. Right now, we're maybe averaging like 7 to 12 applicants per year. Um, which is still a good turnout, but I, I would say, you know, the next milestone is certainly maybe 15,000 acres. Um, you know, when we can hit that, I'm not entirely sure, but we're certainly going to aim for that 15,000 mark. Um, and then from there, hey, it'll be, it, it could be 20,000. Looking around uh, your website, and I think maybe you alluded to this a moment ago, one of the reasons, one of the stated goals, I guess, is working toward sort of regional food security and growing more food close to Philadelphia uh, as much as possible. So as of right now, how much of the yield from the farms that are participating in the program, how much of that is consumed locally? Do you have those numbers? And then what does the county do to kind of support and assist with distribution so that consumers can actually get a hold of the product? Yeah, so I, I don't unfortunately have exact numbers on that, but I, I can kind of just touch on it in a general sense. Um, you know, these farms really do stay local. We have several different facilities that supply the local food stores, whether it be a ShopRite or Giant or a Weiss um, or Redner's. You know, a lot of the farms in this area do supply food and other items to those stores, whether it be bacon or milk, you know, products like that. And then we also have farmer, farmer's markets all throughout the county. You know, a lot of these farms have their own little stations and whether they just um, sell tomatoes and peppers or, you know, they expand it and they sell pumpkins and watermelons and, and different fruits and all different types of vegetables. So the, the farms, I do think, really do stay local for the, the most part. And they do, again, you know, I, I keep stressing on this and I keep saying this, but they really do, these farmers here in this county, they take pride in staying local. They care about their communities. They care about the people that live close to them. Uh, so the more local they can stay, um, you know, that's going to decrease the food miles. That's going to decrease the carbon footprint. Um, and the more we can reduce the food insecurity with this local healthy food that these farmers are, um, you know, growing, you know, it, I, I think it's only going to stay local, the, you know, the more they do it. Well, it, there's every indication from where I'm sitting that, you know, that sort of ethos is mirrored on the demand side and that consumers are hungry, literally, I guess, hungry for um, sustainably locally produced uh, food. Do you see any ceiling to this market? Like, is there any reason uh, local farmers couldn't continue meeting that demand uh, in part through the farmland preservation program, uh, showing up what they're doing? How, how far can you take this, I guess? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't see there's a, there's a ceiling at all. And I think that's for any business. Um, whether it be a marketing business or, or you know, farmers. I mean, I, I think there's always room for growth. Um, you know, I think the only maybe cap is they can only grow so much or raise so much on their land. So at some point, I, I think they would tap out. You know, they, they can only grow so much food, meaning they can only sell so much. So once they sell it, you know, that's that's the end of it. Um, but in, in, in terms of growth and, and other farms, doing this, I, I think 
there really is no ceiling. You know, the more farmers that we can get to produce these high quality foods and livestock, um, the more people are going to want to buy it, especially at a reasonable price. You know, you might pay just a little bit more buying directly from a farmer, but the quality is going to be immensely better than buying it from, in my opinion, a local store that's maybe getting it from out of state. Um, so I, I think if we can urge the public to support our local farmers and support the local economy and maybe just buy directly from them, you know, through their little stations or through the farm markets, I think that's only going to raise the ceiling. I don't want to overlook the sort of ancillary benefits either, insofar as I know Montgomery County is invested in climate goals, in resiliency. How does this program support those other related goals that the county has? Yeah, so again, preserving land, that, that's only a benefit to the environment. Um, on top of that, all of our preserved farms, it is required to have a conservation plan. Um, so these conservation plans outline all different types of management practices, whether it be like nutrient management practices, uh, manure management practices, uh, you know, the conservation plans outline repairing buffers, windbreaks, contour farming, things like that. Things that the farmers should be following um, to make it better for the environment. Um, you know, the, the, the conservation plans are solely there for that aspect. And what we do is we do go out and inspect these farms every year to every other year to make sure that they're following these practices. Um, so I think through those inspections, we're kind of following up on our due diligence, um, you know, with the greater, wider county goals of protecting the environment, um, you know, and reducing the carbon footprint and helping with climate change. Well, I think all of this just kind of goes to show, you know, it's something that we believe and, and say often at PEC that environmental advocates and conservationists and farmers are kind of natural allies or really should be in that both understand the importance of stewardship, understand that there's like a give and take with the land and you have to you have to do it right. And on top of that, especially increasingly lately, we're seeing that farms are really important for the development of clean energy infrastructure in Pennsylvania, whether that's, you know, wind or, or community solar installations that can coexist with crops and livestock. Now, I think there's even talk about carbon capture and storage and the role that farms could play in that. It seems like a natural affinity, right? What, what do you think about that? How would you characterize the relationship there? You know, I, I think the relationship is certainly there. That's actually a really tough question to answer because I think there's so many different fronts to it. You know, there are farmers out there who really take pride in, you know, what they do for the environment in terms of how they farm their land. But then there's others, of course, that, you know, want to just maximize their production, which is certainly okay. You know, that that's their business. Um, so if they want to maximize their production and maybe not take the steps that the other farmers are taking in, in terms of protecting the environment and maybe using part of their land to, you know, develop and use these practices that are outlined in the conservation plan, I think we have maybe a diverse mix of farmers in terms of that. Um, but for the most part, you know, a, a lot of these farmers do seem to be transitioning away maybe from pesticides or other toxic chemicals. Are you aware of uh, other counties or maybe communities in other states that are doing similar things? And how are those playing out? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so 59 different counties in Pennsylvania take part in this farmland program. You know, as of December of 2020, over 5,800 farms were preserved in these 59 different counties, um, and over 591,000 acres have been preserved. Um, you know, the state prides itself in, in taking part in this program and allocating millions of millions of dollars each year for this farmland preservation program. So counties all throughout the state certainly, you know, participate in this program and they see the benefits of it. Kind of wrapping things up then, how can people learn more about this program, maybe become a participant, find out if, if that would be right for their farm or someone they know? I would absolutely encourage anybody who is interested in this program to contact me directly. If you think it's a good idea, I, you know, I, I can drop my information right now or whatever, you know, you're doing, you can post it to the podcast or something like that. Um, but any applicant can certainly contact me directly via phone, via email. There's also tons of information on Montgomery County's um, website. If you just go to MontgomeryPA.org and go to the Planning Commission website and look for the farmland program, you know, we have a whole page that outlines the program, what we do, how to get involved, how to apply, you know, and all the different steps in the process um, that we take, you know, basically from application to preservation, it could take anywhere from a year and a half to two years um, just because of all the different steps in between. Well, Steve, thank you so much for your time and congratulations on 10,000 acres. Thank you, Josh. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That's Steven Zabinski of the Montgomery County Planning Commission. You'll find his contact information along with links to more information on the county's farmland preservation program in the show notes for this podcast episode at peckpa.org. That's where you can stream all of our past episodes and find more information on Peck's program and policy work across the state. And that'll do it for this edition of Pennsylvania Legacies. From the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.